The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Absent Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Hatfield Minded, the top 25 under 25. It's Patrick Bexel. I'm hosting from my car right outside Trelleborg, where I'm going to watch a hockey game for the first time in ages. And I'm joined by uh, Anton Rossigold, of course, who's a staple of this uh, setup when it comes to the top 25 under 25. Thank you for, for joining us, Anton. Thank you for having me. It's uh, it's always just a question of in which country I am. Otherwise, you know, I'm I'm a pillar of this podcast apparently. So. I'm 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 more like, when are we going to see you in a different continent except Europe and North America? Um, that, that's going to be. Actually, I've ne- never been. I, I've been to uh, the Asian side of Istanbul once, but that doesn't really count as Asia, does it? So, uh, you know, probably somewhere in in the next year or so. We're looking forward to Anton exactly. uh, from Asia. Or from uh, Africa. Or Africa, that would be even yeah. cooler. Um, normally we have one guy, and I promise you he will show up at the pod who is in Africa, and that's Jason Paul. And not, unfortunately, he's not joining us today, but we're having one of our favorite guests and, and uh, um, video scouts and, and video producers nowadays as well. Hadi Kalakesh, thank you for joining us as well, Hadi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm not as international as Anton is. I'm still in this one bedroom in Montreal, but you know, uh, ready to contribute. You're actually in Montreal. That's pretty international for us. (laughs) And also for for the eyes of the prize crew, it's like three people that's in Montreal and the rest of us are spread out anyway. So it's great. It's great to have a Montreal here. We're here though to talk about two very different players trending in different ways as well. And uh, uh, let's start here with, with number 22, Michael Pizzetta. And uh, Anton has him at 20. Hadi has him at 39. And I'm just going to toss <laughs> it out here. Like, fight it out. All right, you start, Hadi. Why do you hate Michael Pizzetta? <laughs> no, I love him. I genuinely do. I just I rank this based on the upside because that's what I value as a scout. Um, do I think Michael Pizzetto will ever be anything more than a fourth-line player at the NHL level? It's hard to say yes. I, I, I wouldn't see him, unless there's an injury, cracking a third line and then working his way up. I might look ridiculous for this, but I think at 24, with the kind of profile he's had, type of game he plays with his limitations, he, he's a fantastic fourth-line player. I mean, he drives results pretty well, um, throws his weight around exceptionally well. Um, he can... He can throw the gloves off and and defend his teammates, especially the younger guys that are coming up whenever he needs it. I just I look at the other guys and I see more upside, and that's what I value. So that's that's the direction I went with my rankings. And uh, as someone who ranked him at twenty, I can completely see that, and I understand that. It's 
I think for my ranking, it was a lot uh, about, I had him, I think it was second or third to last, you know, in 2021's ranking. So I had him very low. And I just thought like, that's, you know, Michael Pacetta is, uh, you know, an AHL depth piece. He will never be, uh, be anything more than that. And then he started the season on fire in Laval. And then he was moved up to the, uh, to the Canadians. And yeah, the Canadians were the worst team in the league last year. So it doesn't really mean a lot playing games for that side. But, but still, it's, it's just he has shown that he actually has something to contribute with at the uh, NHL level. And it's just an impressive development for a guy who you know during uh Yuel Bouchard's stint in Laval he he never looked like more than an AHL third or fourth liner he he never got yeah. the chance really to prove himself to anything more but it just feels like Michael Pacetta is that kind of like energy driver who can actually bounce. I mean I, I think it's going to bounce around the league I don't think it's going to stay in Montreal for long when Montreal gets their rebuild up and working because I don't see him contributing on uh you know on a team that is actually pushing for the playoffs but I think he will like a Nicola Delorier for example he will bounce around and be a valuable asset on the fourth line somewhere and it's just uh, I mean I applaud him for his development it's been fun to see him come out of nowhere and and actually contributing in the NHL and it actually it shows a lot of young guys we'll talk about a guy who has also gone through an inspiring journey to get to the level he is today in a minute. But it just shows you that even if you're 23, 24, and you haven't made it all the way, you know, one great offseason can really flip the switch. Yep, absolutely. And and moving on, really, there, there's a lot to love about Michael Pacetta, but but we're maybe more interesting uh, interested in uh, number 21 on the list, and that's Amber Chekai. Arbor check guy. Um, sorry. Um, um, and very, I, I, I was very, just going to say, it's the same here, but opposite. Hadi has him at 17 and I have him at 36. <laughs> so, so, so that, that's the reason, guys, why we get these two on because they can slag it out for another round. But, but uh, <laughs> more importantly, uh, Hadi, we, we, we know you're working as a scout. We know you, you, that's one of the strengths you've been, been, uh, Added for to our team for and uh, yeah, what do you see really in Shekai's game in order to rank him with that upside that you obviously have? Well, that's the thing. When I when the Habs first signed Jack Dye, and I looked at his, his stat lines and having watched him maybe two or three times while scouting uh, Francesco Pinelli, who plays on the same team, I really saw him as just this bruising defenseman who doesn't move the puck really well or doesn't make really good decisions. He's just there to throw hits, throw his gloves off, get a couple punches in and then sit on the bench for half, sit on the penalty box for half the game. That was the, the general impression I'd had of Jack guy. Um, but after his, after signing, um, well, before his signing, that's when it really started when I saw him at the training camp, at the development camp. And I just, I saw a hidden amount of, intelligence of poise of patience of composure with the puck without the puck that really made me think huh maybe the Habs have something here then they signed him he went to the uh he went back to the OHL with Kitchener um and put up 17 points in 18 games and I watched him a lot at that time he was our assistant captain and 
he really struck it really sort of impressed me how much how many more facets of his game he has other than just his ability to throw hits and 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 fight and all that good stuff so that's when it started then he got traded to Hamilton he hit a bit of a dry spell near the end of the year and I started having doubts but um once he got to the playoffs I mean 16 points in 18 games and then five assists in five games at the Memorial Cup uh for Hamilton and he was one of their key players he was one of their most impactful players uh with and without the puck he's able to defend the rush extremely well he matches footwork off the rush really well I mean that's what surprised me the most about Jacka, and that's why he's so high on my rankings. Is that I saw a lot more to his game than the the, the third line defensive defenseman uh, enforcer type that he's been sort of pegged into. He's got a lot of poise, composure, uh, puck control. He's pretty good at passing as well. He's got a booming shot. I mean, I don't think he'll be a top pair defender, or, or you know, if he is a middle pair defender, that's like the best case scenario for him. But He's a lot more impactful than people give him credit for, and that's why I have him that high. I want to ask you, Hadi, because obviously Zheka is already 21, and okay. that's one of the reasons why I ranked him so low, because I just feel like he's the same age as Cole Caulfield, right? So he should, was supposed to be drafted in 2019. He's a late bloomer, and that's great. But mm-hmm. when you're 21, and if you actually have signed an NHL deal, you're kind of supposed to dominate the, at the OHL level, right? For sure, 100%. And given his profile, I would have expected him to dominate physically, to dominate in terms of you know winning every one of his fights and all of that. Um, what really astounded me is the small elements. So there's a lot of players that are 21 are still junior players. Like they'll put up a bunch of points. They'll put up 120 points in 60 games at 21 years of age, but they're not doing anything that's NHL projectable. That's what impresses me with Jack Guy is, Yes, he's 21. Yes, he's 6'4 to 25. But he's actually doing small things that are NHL projectable um, already. And it's just astounding to me that he's fallen under the radar so much because you watch his game and, I mean, his ability to, to absorb four checkers and pass through them, um, his, how strong he is with his back to the play. I mean, there's a lot of small details that compound and make me think, like, there might very well be an NHLer here. And if you, like... Because obviously the NHL values size also, mm-hmm. which is why someone like Maverick Lamoureux went in the first round yeah. uh, this year. Uh, I'm just wondering, like, if you compared his playing style to another Habs prospect in Kaden Gooley, who we'll get to later on the list, like, what are the, are there any similarities in their game? Are there any big differences? Because they have similar, you know, size profile. So I was just wondering about that. Yeah, so Gooley and Jacki have the same mean aggressive streak off the rush. So a lot of there's two types of defenders. I feel like two main groups of defenders. There's the smart, composed groups, the ones that defend using their head and their stick, and there's the ones that defend using aggression. And I feel like both Gooley and Jacki fit in that second mold, um, and it works well for a lot of NHL defenders. Um, I feel like Gooley has a bit more offensive upside. Uh, mainly due to how how precise his shot is, how how more how much more daring he's become with his offensive activations. Like he he used to shy away from getting below the dots and making plays. Now he doesn't at all, especially since his straight to Edmonton has been one of his staples. He explores the offensive zone a lot more. I feel like Jack I still has some room to grow in that sense. Um, and his passing, although it's good, isn't as good as Ghoulies, I'd say. 
So Gooley just has that extra offensive level to his game that Jai Kaista still doesn't have. That's why Gooley could be a top three, top four defender, whereas Jai is probably going to be a bottom pair defender, but with a lot more facets to his game than just, you know, hitting and, and, and throwing off the gloves. Um, but there are some similarities. I'd say there are similar profiles of players. I'd say Jack Eye is like Gooley light. That's how I'd say it. Does he compare in some way to David Savard? Ooh, Savard is Savard is a much worse skater than Gooley. Okay, yeah. And and a worse skater than than Jack Eye, I'd say as well. Jack Eye really impressed me with his skating stride. So um Savard is a lot more conservative than those two as well. Like they're much more aggressive than he is. Mm. The, obviously, Shekai is going to uh, to Laval this year. What are realistic expectations to see from him there? Because it's going to be a stacked Laval team, uh, and and there will be some interesting prospects in that team on the defensive side as well. Well, um, with Laval, I think that Shekai is going to easily grow up the lineup very quickly. It obviously depends on who plays with the Habs and who doesn't. There's going to be a rotation of young defenders, and I think Jack I might even get a shot at some point this year. Um, it's a long shot given everyone that's there, but there's a lot, a lot of young defenders that are going to be fighting for spots. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the top four at all, but I think he'll start on the bottom player and have to work his way up. So similarly to, to what's been going on um, uh, since last year in the development camp, just to sort of prove its situation for him. Uh, there's no loss with this contract either. Like if this is found money if he works out. I mean, I would love to see him with the Habs this year, but I wouldn't blame the Habs development staff for just letting him marinate in the AHL for a year or two and just see what he comes out, what comes off with uh, in a couple of years and um, sort of hope for the best in terms of his development. It will be interesting. No, I was just going to say it will be interesting to see. Obviously, he's a left-hander just like Gooley and Fairbrother and uh, Matthias Norlinder. And it will just be interesting to see Jordan Harris as well uh, mm-hmm. to see who will actually, you know, take the um, take the leading role out of all these young guns because there are a lot of those. There are lots to be excited about. Even like a couple of years ago, there was basically any guy who was drafted by the Habs uh, was, you know, nothing more than AHL depth. Uh, and now there's actually legit NHL potential in a few of these guys coming in. So, and competition, exactly. which is always good. Well, uh, I mean, and, and also all of it on the left side, more or less, as well. Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, yeah exactly. I would say though that uh, Jordan Harris is probably going to be playing the year with Montreal just because he's so proficient on his offside. Um, so he's probably going to be playing. He's going to be taking one of those uh, right-handed D spots. Romanov um, spot, basically. Yeah, exactly. Or um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jeff Petrie go as well. They need to clear up some space on the cap, and Petrie's already indicated that he wants out. So he's already he's gone. Up. Is he? Yeah, he went for Madison, right to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I yeah. am completely lost on that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, he left for, <laughs> for Pittsburgh. I. Honey so yeah, hasn't really got his coffee yet. It's it's like eleven a.m. in Montreal. Thing. That's why <laughs> I I am I have been awake for like an hour. I'm sorry, guys. but yeah. There's there's a spot open on the right side, so it's probably going to be Savard, Weidman, and Harris in any order. Baron. So that Baron, I'd be surprised if he starts okay. the year in in that spot. But he's going to be fighting for it, and I feel like that's and again another guy that's going to be in that rotation. Um, 
I, you guys saw in the rankings, I'm not as high on Baron. There's a couple limitations on this game that I don't like too much. But I, I wish him the best, and I hope he makes it out. I just think that Harris is more of a solid and surefire bet on that right side if you're going to play a, a left-handed defenseman on his offside. Um, that that clears up a space in the competition between Gooley, uh, Norlander, um, obviously Baron, um, Fairbrother, and Jack Guy. So that's five guys fighting for one spot or two, which is great competition. And again, they start the rotation, um, let them work it out. Um, I think Michael, I think Mike Matheson is going to start the year on the first pair, either with Savard or uh, or uh, with uh, Harris or Whiteman. Um, so that would be pretty interesting. I think the first pair will be Matheson Savard. I'm not the biggest fan of that first pair, but they're two guys that complement each other pretty yeah. well. Um, and then from from three to six for the defenders, it's just you know take well, your Joe, Joe Edmondson um, is there. Oh yeah, Edmondson yeah. for sure. Um, I just well, think they have that to lose anyway, so it doesn't uh, really matter. Exactly, that's the thing. I don't think there's much of a competition. Um, like worry this year as there was last year when they were coming off of a Stanley Cup finals appearance and then everything went down the gutter with Dominic Ducharme and all that stuff. Um, there's less concern this year, so I think they're going to feel comfortable rotating the young guys in. I think Edmondson might see a game or two on the third pair just to give those guys some extra mm. ice time. So that that would be pretty interesting for this year. And uh, there we have it. I mean, it's a short one. It's only two players. And unfortunately, it's like 40 degrees in my car right now. And I'm about to sweat like a pig. Um, <laughs> but um, there are two very different players that we've spoken about. We've spoken about the potential lineup in the Habs, the potential lineup in, in, uh, in Laval. And Hadi, you had a new video coming out just the other day. Uh, do you want to make a little bit of a shout out to that? Yeah, the Adam Ekstrom video. Um, worked on that pretty hard. It's on my YouTube channel, Hadi Kalakesh, uh, NHL Draft Scouting. Um, I go into the uh, strengths and weaknesses of Ekstrom, what he does well, what he needs to work on. He's, he's, he's that mold of puck-moving defenseman that I think will, will benefit the Habs a lot. Um, and yeah, just feel free to like and subscribe to my channel. Uh, leave a comment if you can. It's always appreciated. I'd love to know sort of what you guys think and um, what I can work on, what you guys want to see, that kind of stuff. So feel free. Man, I, I still can't believe I forgot about the Jeff Petrie trade. <laughs> well, it's, that's, it's that's early a great morning part for you, that. and uh, we wouldn't have been better if, it were, if you asked us 11 a.m. in the morning. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. Uh, I hope to have more about Freddy Show just in, in a couple of days when I'm edited the interviews from today. And... Uh, Thank you, Anton, for joining us from the south of Europe as well. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.